Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Gentlemen, I would like to do some follow-up to begin this episode. We spoke last time about the Keep book, and it was mentioned that there was a bit of drama around the naming of the product. Of the Almost into the company. Complicated <laughs> process and that uh, we're mediating today. So, uh, Dan, Dan, what happened? Dan said my ideas were dumb and it oh, hurt my no. feelings. And then he just laughed when I said it hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> then he pushed me over and then he kicked out in my eyes. <laughs> um, Dan, is that what happened? Pretty much. Uh, I might. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you think of the name Keepbook? Very honestly. Ooh. I don't really think I have much of a feeling about it. I like it is a it's a name it's one of the these names that's nicer written and said. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's probably true. But I have that problem too. Yeah, right? like I have that problem too. Saying because it's like it's it's hard, maybe hard to hit, to to pass um, mm-hmm. unless you really go for all the consonants. <laughs> but I, the name, I feel like I would maybe feel differently if like panel book and tote book. Like if this was the first mm. one, uh-huh. it would oh, be yeah. like, oh, that's a weird name. Yeah, but because I know of the other ones, it's like, oh, I. I know what this means in the context of Studio Neat, and I can immediately understand it because of the word keep. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the keep tells me. Yeah. But I feel like maybe if I was detached from your product, I, I would be a bit like, I don't understand. Yeah. You know? And I'm guessing when you first heard the name of it, you just kind of accepted it. Like you didn't think, oh, that's kind of a weird name, or you're just like, oh, okay, is that an accurate? Uh, reflection of kind of when you first heard the name because i have the context yeah yeah Yeah. it was like oh okay yeah i know what this is so this was surprisingly or unsurprisingly the most fraught naming of any product we've ever done we really really struggled with it (laughs) and then we ended up in a place that feels to me like pretty obvious and inevitable and your reaction that's just like oh, i haven't really thought that much of it it seems fine like that is actually good to me it's like <laughs> we landed in a place that's uh kind of where it needed to be but we i don't know why exactly but we just couldn't figure out what to call this thing and we went in every direction we tried yep. so record book was it even important for us to keep the book uh um suffix like we, we searched you know non non hyphen book uh uh naming options we we were so desperate we kind of started going down like foreign language or like latin <laughs> root you know uh like oh God. we just couldn't nothing sounded right and even keepbook neither of us were super happy with it yeah but we chose it because Again, it had this feeling of of like inevitability or like, oh, this feels right. And also it was one of the only names that we came up with that 
you know, spoke to one of the unique features, which is like this slipcase and the kind of archival thing. So it all kind of fell into place, but it it almost felt like a resignation rather than <laughs> like. A, well, I would say half the time it feels that way. Like it's always a little bit of a, a like. I mean, I think that there's re- somewhat recently been some ones that were felt more like like Keen felt like pretty quick. Like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, but I, well, I feel you, what you just described, I think, is more you than me. Like, I'm usually yeah. pretty happy, and I have to convince you that it's yeah. good. And then you That's eventually generally come around. That's generally true. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt that way. I mean, I think we both felt that way about Keep Book because it felt like cheesy or something. Mm-hmm. And I think we wanted to find something else, but just nothing else was awesome. And then Keep Book also has the plus, like you said, Mike, of fitting in with the kind of system that we've already established in the book and all that stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, it took a long time and you're right. Like it did, it did feel like a resignation, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess this is it. Did you have other names? Do you have other names? I mean, I, we yeah, did. I have, we a, have basically I'm looking for what is the book scatter of this one. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, we, I need to look, uh, there's not a yeah. We need to pull up like our is it a notion? No, the base camp. Uh, oh yeah, uh, which we just canceled. So I don't even know if I can pull that up anymore. I have it archived. Yeah, uh, archived. I have some written here. Are you moving into no- moving all that stuff into notion now? Uh, well, kind of all over the place. That's a separate yeah. discussion. Oh, oh. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that's another topic. We've built our own. Yeah. No. I mean, I have, I have some here like Sojourn, Everbook, Logbook, Ledger, Journeybook, Neatbook, Studiobook, Companionbook, Tokenbook, Totembook, Recordbook, Jotbook, Rotebook, Thoughtbook, Everbook, I already said, Archive, Cash, Annual. These are just like this is like scratching the surface. Like I, I don't even have. I, like, ca- I kind of like Everbook, but yeah. you ever know? Yeah, is, we, yeah. No, I, just right I, there. some of these were like uh, trademark eliminated. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure Everbook, yes. Everbook was a contender, and that's yeah. like there literally is an Everbook that exists, and we couldn't do that. And I liked Record Book for a while. I think we both kind of did, but then, or you didn't, maybe, or I something. Like I didn't like Record Book because just it's a thing that's not this. You know, it's yeah. like a sports yes, record yeah. I agree. book. Yeah. Yeah. Or or anything like yeah. it's 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 more about keeping dates of something yeah. than it is yeah. uh, like recording like a lab book or something. Yeah, no, I, I thought yeah. it would be I thought it'd be funny to have it record book, but we always pronounce it record book, and we're and then we're very like sticklers, like it's record book, not record book. <laughs> what are you doing? How dare you? Yeah, I can go through some of mine if you like, just to oh, you know, if you're for the sidekick. Na- yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, some of these aren't even just like we got like Capture Buddy that was one <laughs> Capture Pal Capture Companion uh, just the word Landscape <laughs> just a stupid name uh, Level Pad Dot Pad yeah some these are just so bad yeah. there was some there were lots of versions of something with either friend or buddy yeah. mm-hmm. so you can see how we ended up with sidekick yeah. right yeah, like yeah, yeah. for a while the idea was like this thing is with you it's your friend yeah. mm-hmm. like it's just there yeah. and then we ended then we companion. found sidekick and, and yeah companion capture companion was was a name for a while yeah. but we didn't we didn't We tried that. a lot of chat I, GDP too that's how we ended up 
that's how I named because we have the calendar version. Uh-huh. So Sidekick Calendar Companion is what we called that, and that came from ChatGPT. It's uh, ChatGPT is like not the best at that generative stuff, I find. But yeah, it it was a long process, and uh, I, you know my attitude and like I can have pretty strong feelings, but I also know at the end of the day the name just becomes a symbol and it doesn't really matter pretty quickly. And it's it, just like, yeah. a certain, after a certain point, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? The name is just what it's called yeah. and, and, and you let it go. So sometimes it's just a case of like, as long as you can have something that's relatively unique in the name, in like the name, name space, space yeah. and pronounceable enough, which is the lesson I have learned the hard way, <laughs> uh, that it's not the psychic notepad. <laughs> like I feel like that's going to follow me around for the rest of my life. But, as long as you get there. I mean, Keep Book is not a bad name. I don't think it is a bad name. No, it's not bad. It's a little yeah. cringe. I think it has a slight amount of cringe, but it's like, okay, it's fine. You know, like, I think if, if we were coming to you and it hasn't been decided and we were like, what do you think? I would imagine most people's reaction is like, it's a little cringe, you know, but it's fine. I think if you're like, if it's presented as a decision that's been made, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, which is, you know, it's fine. And I think, really, I think it's just because Panda Book and Tote Book are just such good names. I yeah, think those came it just makes it those came really quickly to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those came quickly. And I can't remember if Panda Book had any resistance between us, Dan. I don't think it did. I don't remember. Mm-mm. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I think, yeah, and Tote Book, I remember being real fast. I'm really happy that you didn't go with a studio book or neat book. Mm. Neat book. I think, I, ju- I just think that, that I don't, don't know, cross there's the something streams. about like putting the company name yeah. on a thing. Yeah. It's like, this is the most important and best thing we've ever done. And you know what yeah. I mean? I, I yeah. feel like, I just feel like you don't do that so, in general. Wh- so another path we went down when we were really struggling with the name is we really desperately wanted to see if this could just be called Tote Book and it just we consider it a version of tote book, like tote book hardcover or something where we mm. add a tote book pro. And so we went, we kind of seriously consider that because it's like, boy, wouldn't it be nice to not have to come up with a new name for that? But it was too kind of different of a product and wasn't the same story. Well, no. And then we thought that we'd have to have like what, okay. is If one's tote book hardcover is like a tote book soft cover, it's like makes it complex. You have to also then go back and differentiate. So yeah, yeah, it's naming is. It's one of the hardest parts of product design. Well, cause it's like, you have to be, it's like you have to be really, really lateral in your thinking, but if it's an awesome name, it's taken, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like this weird dance of like unique, not taken, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not a uh, not a fun time. I found sure. I found some of the Latin names. So <laughs> yes. I was doing a search for words that meant like create or make or preserve or keep. So it was like Teneo, Credo, Creo, Servo. So these would all be like. Taneo book, Credo book, Servo, Noto, Noto book. I actually like Noto book. It like sounds like notebook, but it's a little bit different. 
Uh, none of these work. And then here's another list of more perma book, scribe book, solid book, sturdy book, robust book, duro book, dense book, rigid book, archa book, docu book. Wait, what is that? One? Like architecture, like archive, right? Ar- or archive, Ar- yeah. architecture, archival, oh. yeah. Uh, it's like it's like a guy called Archibald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So we generated a lot of titles, and uh, I'm happy that you went away from the Latin. Yeah. Like. Yeah, <laughs> Noto book is kind of cute. Like that's kind of fun, but it gives it's a different vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know. I know it's not what it is, but that that says like Japanese to me rather than yeah, yeah. yeah. It else. does sound a little Japanese. I, I yeah. and I'm trying to just running through the pro- our products. I don't think we've ever invented a word, glyph. right? But glyph, we spell <laughs> yeah, it we differently. But it though. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking. That's kind. Of, that's invented a word. You invented yeah. the word. I love that. Your first product. You well, but yeah. it's referring to it. an actual glyph. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it does. I didn't even honestly. I'd never thought that. Yeah. Mm. It, to me, I I know it sounds like the word glyph, but I never figured that it was a misspelling of mm. the word glyph. Mm. I always just thought this was a thing you came up with and you called it glyph. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, I, we're always pretty on the nose. Yeah. It, it's just funny, like the early, you know, when if you think of kind of these like, you know, web 2.0 like companies, like or just like Vimeo or Hulu, it's like the whole yeah. thing is inventing a word that you can own. Yeah. And we've, that's hard to do. Like we've, yeah. we've never done that because it's, yeah, it's tricky. It's funny. I'm realizing we did do neat ice kit with the ice maker. We did put studio like a studio neat reference yeah. in there, but it's like a really nice tongue in cheek. You know what I mean? It's like neat ice. I mean th- that one mm-hmm. works somehow. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel see. I feel like you could do it. You can put the company's name to it if you're only ever going to make one of that thing. And so like yeah, the neat ice kit because it's like really it's kind of like the ice kit from Studio Neat. Yeah. It's how I was thought of it. The same as like I call it like the Studio Neat Mark One, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you called the pen like Studio Pen. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Then you don't. Then you can only really make one pen. If I feel like if you do that, because you're like, well, we put our name on this one. And you're like, well, what about the other ones? Yeah. Well, I am. I am still like have some regrets about going down this road of like Mark One, Mark Two, Mark Three. And having them be different products because they just don't say anything about what they are, and it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. is it how confusing is that? But because, like, what if you wanted to make a new version of the pen that's like the Mark One? Is it the Mark One? Yeah, two? yeah, no, and, and we actually, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> we, so, but on the flip side. It was so nice when we made a mechanical pencil to not have to think of a name for it. It's like, oh, it's Mark III. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, but I actually think those names are great. Yeah. Like, I really do think they're great. But they're and, confusing. And, this, and I, Yeah, but this goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. At a certain point, the name just becomes the thing, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I just don't know if, like, when someone sees an ad for the Mark II and they don't know anything else, what do they think? But, you know, I guess we'll never know. Um. I, yeah, it's this it's that stuff is complicated. But it's like, what are people? What are they actually attaching themselves yeah. to? Right? Mm-hmm. Is it what it looks like or what it's called? Yeah, you know? oh, I'm sure it's what it looks like. But it's just you know, I don't know. It's all. It also makes them seem like they're the same thing. Like they're Mark yes. One, Two, Three, and they're like not at all the same thing. So that's like confusing too. You know. But it's where we are. We're here. Can't escape. 
Mm-hmm. Just just write these names down in your keep book right. and then close it. <laughs> keep yeah. them in your keep book, mm-hmm. honey. Keep uh, that's what I guess that was my first like negative impression of the keep book was it felt very like, oh, there's my keep book. You know, like real, <laughs> it, it, it's like it, it feels like real, like Southern country. Like, yeah, honey, put it in your keep book. <laughs> I, I think this is a 100% you thing. No, not really. I don't know what... <laughs> no, no. I don't know what... Like, I mean, really, keep book what? is literally a word. It's like a colloquialism okay. for like scrapbook, I believe. So it's not like... I'm not that crazy. You just guys just aren't... Okay, I've ne- maybe this is something I'm detached yeah, from. Yeah, you right? are but completely so detached from that it. That sounds... Yeah. That is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, maybe, look, maybe people do want to keep it in the keep That's book, right. Honey. That's right. Oh, well. Speaking of keeping, <laughs> you keep your products in a warehouse. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good segue. <laughs> Absolute master of his craft right now. We're witnessing. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. There's a reason I'm still here. Uh, you tell me, which uh, is something we've been talking about behind the scenes for a little while, actually, that, that you guys were looking at moving your warehouse yeah also i guess has something uh, maybe or maybe not your what's called a 3pl third-party logistics provider so like the company that houses your products and sends them out have you done both of those things yeah they're moved they're moved what is the ramification of it we've moved warehouses so we had our original 3pl for 13 years we like started with them when we started the company and since that time a lot has changed with that company. It got sold multiple times or whatever. I mean, I imagine as well, when you guys started, there were just not a lot of options. Oh, no, there wasn't. There wasn't. And we were actually really pleased with them initially because yeah. it was like it It was like we talked, we like met the founder, you know, like it was a small company and you could like, you know, get things done. But over the years, you know, they've got sold to various multinationals and it's now it's just like a lot of things are broken. And But for a long time, we were unhappy, but... We kept on because we had this setup where we had a warehouse in the UK and we had a warehouse in the US. And that meant, you know, we could ship stuff really cheaply to Europe and, you know, the UK. It was a pain to like import stuff and deal with the duties and things to get it there. So there was a lot of problems. But because our stuff was small, we could do it like somewhat affordably and it made sense. Um, and so for a long, long time, we were just like, well, we can't, there's not really any alternative. We looked, we looked and looked, but it's like, there aren't alternatives that will allow us to have that same setup really. So eventually though, this last year, as we've like turned on paid ads and that kind of ac- paid acquisition, all of that growth has been in the U S cause we only really run ads in the U S. So it used to be that like, you know, 30 or 40% of our sales were co- going to Europe or the rest of the world. And it was like, this is really, really big part of our business, but now it's like less than 10. And so it's all of a sudden this thing that causes quite a bit of operational problems for us is like far less of a percentage of our business. And so that was really, it felt like, okay, the time has come. There was also some big problems that happened over the holidays and some, shipping rate issues with like the notebooks that we have that have always been really bad. So it was finally time we was like, okay, we're going to rip this bandaid off. And so we are partnering with nice commerce. who is like this three PL run by a very small team. They're in South Carolina. 
We can like talk to the people that run the company. You know, it's like a really high touch situation. That, that it was funny. I just went to their website and it, it pre-filled high touch fulfillment. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how they do the brand. But it is so. like it's cool. It was, fun. it was like at the exact moment you said <laughs> it, I high saw the touch. words. <laughs> Brought to you by Studio. Um, and so it's cool because like we're back in the situation where we can be fussy or we can like have exactly what we want or exactly this kind of box or we have this process with them. So we're just starting out. And so we don't, I wouldn't say much has changed on our end in terms of like what we can do. Um, the shipping rates are cheaper and like it's easier on our side to like manage sending them stuff. Um, so there's already advantages for us, but I think in the future, we'll just have a lot more flexibility with being able to kind of add some more delight to customers, et cetera, by shipping from them. But for us, it's like a huge, 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 huge deal because it changes the way our shipping rates are go- working and it changes like our, how our operations work, like all this stuff. And we have all this like backend analytics that's like custom built and dashboards and stuff that have to be updated. So it's been this big like yeah. couple weeks of of cleaning up and switching things over. So anyways, it's not, you know, from a customer facing side, it's not, it's better. It's not a huge, huge difference, but for us, it just feels like a huge, like a huge threshold, a huge difference. Yeah. And it's been something we've been talking about for years and years and years. Yeah. And we finally ripped the bandaid off and did it. And uh, to be clear, we're, you know, we're getting rid of our UK warehouse. So we're only fulfilling stuff from the U S but that obviously doesn't mean we're not, you know, serving international customers. Like you can still buy stuff and it's fine. And what gave us confidence to do that decision is I think, yeah, every limited edition we've ever released, we would fulfill ourselves instead of sending them to the warehouse. Cause we didn't, it was a fine. It was kind of like doing a Kickstarter where it's like, this is a one-off let's just do this ourselves. And so that was actually a pretty decent test of a decent volume of stuff that we're shipping from one location in the U S to U S and international customers. And it's been great. Like it's been more reliable than we thought it would be not quite as expensive as we feared it might be. And so doing all those limited editions for the past few years, I think gave us the confidence to know that just having the one warehouse would be fine and it would still serve those customers. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously how, we operate, we have one mm-hmm. place, right? Because we use Cotton Bureau and they ship everything out. And it's essentially that it works. People will do it. You'll just get more complaints about mm-hmm. it, like, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, yeah. you're, you, the complaints will increase because it's expensive for some people. Mm-hmm. But in what I've looked in by and large, the actual cost of shipping is not that much more. What people see is they see the taxes up front, mm-hmm. which I actually think is a benefit. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know that what I would receive stuff from the States prior to Brexit and I would get a customs bill before I could receive or after the product and a handling fee. So Mm -hmm. it was, I used to find that very frustrating because it would delay my shipment and I would get a potentially a cost that I wasn't expecting plus another fee on top, Mm -hmm. which is like a fixed rate fee. Where now at the moment of purchase, I know exactly what I'm going to pay and it won't get held up in a customs process. So I prefer it, mm-hmm. but I understand that some people don't. Yeah. Know, because it is, they see all that cost up front and it can and it does, like in some instances, like doubles the cost of what the product costs. Yeah. But there are also 
you know taxes you'd have to apply at checkout yeah that's the thing like we were we were um up we were marking up the shipping because we have to pay to get it over there and the duty is like partial duties right and so i actually bet it's not that different it'll take longer no it isn't but it's not that different cost wise really crazy yeah so it's really just like a time thing which sucks like it's not great but but for us it was just like become clear that it's like okay this is simplifies things like drastically for us i mean i know as a person here i'm seeing this more and more as a consumer interesting products that i'm buying from smaller companies they are just coming from america Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm used to that (laughs) like it to, it feels to me, honestly, that it is becoming rarer and rarer that people have multiple multiple fulfillment. I don't know if this will be everybody's experience. It might just be like I'm in like a very particular bucket of a most, you know, maybe most of the stuff that I'm paying attention to is American or maybe like because of who I follow on Instagram yeah. and Instagram ads that I get yeah. are mostly for American companies or whatever. But it feels like something that I'm seeing more and more and and less of what you were doing. Like you guys in my world felt like more of an outlier. Oh, yeah. I think we're weird. I don't think we knew. I've never heard of another like e-commerce brand our size or our size-ish even that had another, had multiple warehouses like that. Like we just started out. We had three when we started out. It would be great if it was easy, right? Like people say it to be like, oh, why don't you, you know, in a world where cotton bureau had this as an option yeah i don't know if i could do it because i find it hard enough to manage the stock for one warehouse yeah no balancing is a real and like trying to forecast that Mm. like i couldn't even imagine having a second yeah and and i feel like because of how i am i would be sending stuff all over it would be so expensive Mm -hmm. because i i would never want one to be out of stock if the other one had stock so then I would be shipping stuff backwards and forwards all the time to make to try and to try and balance it. Like I feel like it it feels very difficult for small companies to manage that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think they're supposed to. I think we started down that road because we had like very few SKUs at the very beginning and it was like, oh, it's just a glyph and it was like easy to do. But so Mike, I just sent you a screenshot in the chat of like just half of our like inventory dashboard for all the locations and stuff. Oh, to give no. you an idea of like that amount of numbers and SKUs and like warehouses, it's just like wow. too much. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, what is that? The Mark One has like there's like seven, and I know that's two of these are inks, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. That's a lot just for the one product yeah, that you're exactly. effectively managing seven versions, and then it's at two locations. Yeah, so <laughs> we just got over our skis and felt like we couldn't. It was never worth it to get out. But then after, you know, our kind of mix of domestic versus international change, it was like, okay, this is like, this is now the time. And we might, you know, now we might try to do some things to make international shipping experience better. But after we get our like feet settled. So I think there's actually Mm -hmm. things you can do. And, And there's definitely a lot of trends on the Shopify side to do kind of more regional, you know, like you can customize the experience to be like nicer. So I think there's definitely some some kind of improvement like we can do, but we had to make this change first. I'm like, I, look, it, it, I know it's, it hurts people that are caught. Cool. I, I would prefer it if everything I bought could be shipped from a local warehouse. Of me, course, because yeah. it would be faster and cheaper. 
but I, I'm just a realist. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I know I'm tainted by the fact that I do yeah, this. Yeah, you're incredibly tainted by the fact that you do this. <laughs> right, but that means I know how hot it is, yeah. right? So like, yeah. it's, it's just the way it is. Like, it's a shame. Like, next time I want refills, I know they're going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's just, that's just the way it goes. It's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. Logistics are the, are the hardest and the worst part. Yeah, of yeah. doing this stuff. It really is, but I think hopefully we're we're getting better. We're also getting better at like just the forward planning and stuff in general. So it feels good. Like we we're under we're under our skis a little bit better this year. So mm. we'll see what that what that does. But um, starting out so far, pretty good. We have not visited the tech corner for a while oh, it's been too the long what? <laughs> the what now and i'm i'm sure there are takes there are takes of planet what in dan's what tech is it? corner are you guys, are you guys? i think there was a song i think there was a song are you talking about dan's tech corner oh what are you talking about <laughs> definitely yes that is what i'm talking about welcome back to everybody's favorite podcast dan's tech corner Dan, as the host of Dan's Tech Corner, please take it away. Well, I mean, you you usually do the honors of selecting topic. I mean, there's okay, so we have some topics. It's been that there are long. Lots of Vision Pro. There's predictions in here, which is fun. Yeah. So I, would, I like the idea of Vision Pro predictions. Yeah. Shrieking uh, I'm Vision not sure Pro. What they would be shrinking. Uh, I know, but I, obviously, a lot of my life right now is talking about and thinking about the Vision Pro, and I am actually very keen to understand where you two are with it currently. Mm, yeah. So I think that I will maybe pick Vision Pro and the iPad as our mm, topic here. Yeah, but but uh, what is the what is the feeling in Studio Neatland about the Vision Pro right now? Yeah, I mean, speaking as someone who has never used one. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. It's not gonna. That's not gonna stop me from having hot takes. Uh, I mean, come on. I well, so yeah. Let's do this Vision Pro and the iPad, and then I think Shrinking Vision Pro is interesting too. We can talk about both of those. But what I wrote here for Vision Pro and the iPad is, I touched on this a little bit uh, in a previous episode. Is I am curious what people's tolerance is for how many computer-like devices they have that run on batteries and need to be charged and used and their tolerance for switching to get a, you know, a more optimized user experience for X task versus just using the thing they have. So that was really nice the way Steve Jobs framed the iPad introduction where it was like, you have a Mac, you have an iPhone. Is there something that sits in between those things? Like, can we make something that is a little bit better at this, this, and this? Like, it's better at looking at photos. It's better at doing your email or whatever. He had like a list of like half a dozen things. And that was the pitch for the iPad is like, we can make an argument that you do want this third device. Um, and so... I think Vision Pro is interesting in that context because I think they never pitched it this way, but I think it's a very similar pitch where it's like, you're not going to get rid of your Mac, you're not going to get rid of your iPhone, but like, it can you find a place for this thing that is better at these few tasks? And so what is interesting to me is... Is this going to be, if the Vision Pro is successful, 
is it going to be, is it going to cannibalize iPad sales? Like that to me feels like the thing that's going to get elbowed out. If it's true that we are approaching this threshold of tolerance for, ah, I don't want yet another device that I have to like manage and plug in and charge and all this. Like I'm tired of like, like this one looking on my phone. Takes a lot of management. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, yeah. You've got to manage this thing. <laughs> it's like a whole thing, you know? So. I'm interested to see how this plays out. Like, because I don't, I, it's like, I don't think having a, a, a laptop and an iPhone and an Apple Watch and an iPad is even like a super Apple nerd thing. Like, I just described my mom. Like, she has an iPhone and an Apple Watch and an mm-hmm. iPad and a MacBook. Um, like, so one more thing, like, is that, are we just doing that or is something going to get elbowed out? You know, like, is this going to replace something or kind of, you know, I'm interested to see if that is how this, this shakes out. Yeah. I, I have this very fraught relationship with these kind of devices because, uh, part of me, it's like a really clear building block towards a pretty weird dystopian future on the one hand. And then on the other hand, I can totally see value as a device for some really, really, really rich experiences. Maybe actually the most rich experiences that you can have with a piece of technology. Like being in the room with someone that lives on the other side of the world or like living through old kid memories because they're like, that is like, you can't get a richer experience likely right now with what we have, right? It's like, it's leading towards like maybe peak technology experience yeah but also there's this whole use case for the product which is this kind of like meta layer spatially permanent digital objects that you just walk through whatever now that spatially aware thing like i don't think that that is a realistic mass adopted use case for like another three or five years or something when it just gets way smaller and it can be what amounts to like glasses on your face then that feels like that could get towards like mass adoption tech territory where it's like you kind of have this meta layer that you're looking through but the whole like really rich experience thing i mean if these things if this thing was like 800 bucks and there was already media or like I could go talk to my friends on the other side of the world and like feel like I'm sitting in the room with them or whatever, which that will get there pretty soon. That feels like, yeah, I will use that. But it's almost like a game or a video game console level of like thing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's even less than an iPad where it's, it's kind of like, you know, something you do for an experience, but it's not there all the time. But then obviously when you like think about, you know, what's happening with like generated video and stuff from AI, you know, in three years from now, probably less, it will be really easy to just be like, ah, okay, take me to like the Great Wall of China or like, let me just sit. I heard this crazy term recently called mirror dwellers. Have you heard of this term? Mm-mm. It's like, Uh-oh. it's this, it's like a slang for people who sit in like VR chat worlds and just sit in front of virtual mirrors. So they don't do, they literally have full body tracking like VR setups on and they just sit down or just stand in front of mirrors all day, like in these virtual worlds, because they want to see themselves. And in this subculture of this like VR chat world, people like, like hate on the mirror dwellers. They're like, 
get out of here, you mirror dweller. Like, you're giving us a bad name. Like, all this stuff. There's all this weird subculture <laughs> fighting. And it's like, of course that's going to happen, right? Like, of course there's going to be this thing. And so, obviously, it's happening no matter what. But I, that's the other thing that I always am getting pinged by when I think about this, like, Vision Pro stuff is the immersion is uh, really quickly becoming, I think, problematic <laughs> in some ways. Mm. And so, uh, I don't know. It's it's a really, it's really interesting. It's like a really interesting, um, it's just a really interesting time. Like it's it's clear to me that the 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 maybe the digital object of our time is probably not going to be a smartphone. It's probably going to be a headset sort of thing like this. It's really immersive. Like if you look back 50 years from now, I think this will be the thing that is the most culturally impactful device. Probably Hmm. would be my guess. So my, my feeling on what you just said then is I believe possibly, right? Like I do, I'm on that train, but it's hard to truly no. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like so I just watched the Blackberry movie, which I really recommend for the two of you if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And it was particularly interesting now because the movie culminates in the way they reacted to the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's just interesting to look at that moment then and look at where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Because like their their thing was and and uh, you know, this is well told for the time that they just didn't they just thought it was fake mm-hmm. like they did yeah. not believe that it was possible to do it and they also felt like the things that made blackberry popular which was like the clicky keyboard meant that this couldn't work like people people mm-hmm. love their blackberry yeah. because of the keyboard so yeah. how could this thing work yeah. right and so it's very interesting to look at reactions like that then to look at where we are now be like, well, the pro- the problem with the product is this and this and this. Also, in the context of social media today, amplifying people's feelings positively and negatively for this device. Like, I wonder what it would be like if there was a world in which we could have had today's social media when the iPhone was introduced, mm-hmm. and like <laughs> what that would have meant, like contextually. I think it's. So I believe that this is the beginning of the next thing in technology mm-hmm. for Apple, right? Similarly, like these products have existed and they've done what they've done, but this does what it does differently to what the Quest is doing, in my opinion. The Quest is a fantastic device at what it does, and the Vision Pro is a fantastic device at what it does. And what I think the Vision Pro does best, coming back to what you were asking, Dan, is like, by and large, it is better at doing things that the iPad does. Like most of the things you use an iPad for, the Vision Pro is better at mm. them. Like mm-hmm. I have never experienced something that is so incredible to look at photos on. Just like photos I've taken, not spatial photos, just photos. Like I, I told this story already, but like when I, I, I'd had the device for like three days, and I was looking at photos that I had taken three or four days prior. And I felt nostalgic. <laughs> it's like it's such a weird thing. Yeah. I was like looking at pictures I'd just taken, uh-huh. and I felt nostalgic because it's the way you look at them, mm-hmm. and they're huge. And by default, it like dims the area mm-hmm. around you, yeah. so it kind of has that feeling. 
and like and, and images just look incredible because they're so huge and it's just so beautiful to look at them and you see all the detail and all the color and it looks great and like watching video is obviously amazing but like using apps in a way that i would use the, them on my ipad so like when i'm using my ipad a lot of the time i'm kind of just like dicking around mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like um, checking in on this and checking in on that. that yeah. But today uh, I had like an hour free and I sat down on my sofa at my studio and I put my Vision Pro on and I had like eight apps around me and I'm just kind of like bopping around. I'm bopping over here, I'm bopping over there. And like, and it was just, oh, this is great for what I would use an iPad for. But, and, you know, and similarly, like, you know, a lot of the criticisms people have is like, oh, it's a single user experience. Mm-hmm just like an iPad, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you can't yeah. realistically share a lot of what you're doing. Like you can watch a TV show on it, fine, but like also you just watch it on your TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, the richness is what sets it apart. Mm-hmm. So like the idea of like the things that it is good at, it is so much better at than anything else. Mm-hmm. And it is that richness. Yeah. And it's such an Apple thing where it's like, it's like the refresh rate on an iPhone where it's like, we did this right the first time, right? Like you can scroll really quickly or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that feels like such an Apple thing. And it in it in it it's an interesting like stance because it's you know, like privileging like eye tracking, for instance, or like the spatial tracking and like really nailing that, it really feels like they're heading towards like their hypothesis is like this meta layer is like, and that's like uh, kind of just like obvious, but it's interesting that it's not games. It's like this meta layer. And uh, to me that it just makes a lot of sense that the kind of when this product breaks out is when it can just be on your body for longer and like out in public easier, et cetera. Like, I think that's when yeah. that is a world that I'm still not comfortable with. People walking around with... Yeah, I, I like this type of product as a thing that I can u- choose to use. Yeah, There is a different world where the apps that I have on these devices, you know, that I go to, mm-hmm. that they are always here. Like, they are in my vision, like, part of my vision. And, like, a, a very... Like, a great example of this feeling for me is when you were wearing the Vision Pro apps are all static right so you like put them where you want them but when you get a notification the app that you've got a notification from it'll play a sound and you get the icon but the icon follows your eye line so if you move your head around the icon of the app that you have a notification Mm -hmm. for is Mm -hmm. right in front of Mm -hmm. your vision Mm -hmm. Because there's kind of no, right now, at least, nowhere to put that. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, I gotta go downstairs and check do my notifications because I put them down <laughs> exactly. there. <laughs> oh, like, they, you know, I, I actually would just like them to have a fixed like a bar area or that something. It just yeah. stays in. Uh-huh. But right now, it follows you. Now, imagine you're living your life and you get a notification, and like, it's just there. It's in your eyes that you're aware of the fact that now you have an email and you, you don't see it. You have to vision pro right now. You have to look at it and tap to expand it. Yeah. But it's just that little thing of if this was on my, in my actual glasses that I'm wearing right now, if these were Apple vision glasses, I would be getting things beamed into my eyes 
24 hours a day <laughs> whenever I'm wearing them. Yeah. And like that is, that's, that's a thing that I can't yet reconcile. I don't think that is good. Yeah. For us. I, yeah. I suppose the counter argument to that is that's kind of already happening with our phones and our watches. And you're just making it to more, a point. Yeah, there there is an element of yeah. it being in my vision yeah. that I think is a, is another step, yeah. right? Yeah, that you know, it's not. It is partly because you know you could be talking to someone and like that person could be reading something because mm-hmm. we do that now, but we were we use our phones and it, that is a signal. But like there there is that element, but there is also just the my vision is such an important sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea that I would be allowing a tech company to disturb that, that they have the ability to alter what my eyes can see at all times, that's something that I'm I'm going to need a lot more time before I Yeah, I think accept, it's just, it's one of those things, right, that everyone says, it's like when the value, when there's the like, quote, killer app and the value is just so good, you'll, you'll make the choice you'll make the compromise yeah. right and for us it's yeah, really I mean, easy and to and imagine I've done like, that for the apple watch over time right yeah. like that, that i went away from it for a while because i i i was i didn't like the fact that i had a computer physically strapped to my body that could forcibly take my attention whenever it wanted to mm-hmm. right which is essentially what the apple watch does with just something as simple as tapping me but over time the fitness stuff was enough that I now wear one every single yeah. day, mm-hmm. even when I sleep now. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we, it's like impossible for us to project what those killer use cases are going to be. I mean, if we could, we'd make a lot of money, right? But it's like really hard yep. to find those use cases. It's like right now, it's like, oh, is it like metadata about people or like walking directions? And it's like, okay, that's not going to get me there. But, but there likely will be some yeah. kind of killer apps that are like, oh, okay, hmm. Yeah. What's tricky about this also is conflating like the meta layer stuff with the fully immersive stuff, yeah. which to me are so disparate. Yeah, and like so Apple different. is Apple is doing them both in this device because it's kind of, it feels a little like that original Apple Watch where it's like, we don't quite know. So let's kind of do all these things and see what works. But like someone walking around with a thing, whether it's sunglasses or big goggles or whatever, and you kind of know that there there's this layer of, computer in between the outside world like that's a very different feeling of potential dystopia versus someone alone in their house like connecting with their friends across the world in this yeah. like virtual meta space or whatever like one of those to me feels a little bit dy- dystopic and one of them to me feels like really optimistic and like beautiful <laughs> like kind of the internet at its best of like c- connecting people and finding that way to like people to be a far distance away, but to be able to connect. And so they're just totally different uh, use cases. So I feel like it's it's always important to separate those or at least make sure we're talking about the same thing because they're so yeah. different. And we've talked about it before, but this idea of like sunglasses, like that's only meta layer stuff. Like you, if yeah. it's not light sealed or whatever, like you're not, you're eliminating the fully immersive stuff, virtual reality stuff as a thing for that. So that's almost yeah. like a different product or like a hat. You're taking the, the vision yeah. and you're cutting it in half and like doing this one thing yeah. or not this other thing. There is so much 
basically like 90% of the Vision Pro experience does not work on a different product. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. like, and I know that they have the pass through, like, and I know that like, that's great. But if you're adding physical movement in the world, like the entire operating system is not built for that. Yeah. Like the operating system right now is it's spatial, right? Like it is fixed in place. But I do believe that I still do believe that this is, <laughs> these are two products. <laughs> like they are, there is the home version and there is the mobile version. Yeah. And this is allowing them to get to the point where they have a mobile version. But I do believe it will be a different product. I think the Vision product will be one thing, and then they will make a a glasses product too. Yeah, yeah. That will be a mobile thing. And this leads to that. But uh, so much of what you're doing in the Vision Pro would not work. The you, you couldn't use it for yeah. moving around yeah. with. And now that, that's my impression I got from, you know, the reviews I've read or watched is kind of pointing out all the shortcomings and the flaws of the kind of AR like meta layer stuff where it's like, oh, I wish like the video wasn't blurry when I turned my head and like this and that. Or it's like weird the way these windows like fade out or or whatever. And then it seems on the flip side, it seems like almost everyone is like the immersive stuff is like already here. Like it's already great. Like if you want a huge TV on your ceiling or whatever, like you can do that now. And like, you don't need to wait for the next version. Like it's great right now. But it's just like buckle your seatbelt up because the thing that's going to make this thing a killer product is out of Apple's control. And it's like AI generated real time generated worlds, which are coming in a year. And it's just like, People will pay three thousand dollars for this thing, even though it will be less. It'll be cheaper than that, but they will because it, it. Like, if you can, the if the screen being so good and the like motion tracking, eye tracking being so good, uh, you know, obviously the whole like powering it is a tricky thing, but it's coming real fast. And the, I mean, you guys have just saw the AI, like the Open AI, like Sora stuff, video gen stuff. I mean, it's clear mm-hmm. that. It's coming so much faster than any than anyone can really comprehend. I think. Yeah, that that Sora thing is like, oh, I I world changing this close. Yeah, world, <laughs> most important announcement in like yeah. dec- last decade probably in terms of yeah. like what it means. I think for like the world, <laughs> but uh, it's like that is going to force the adoption of this. I think because the, it will be so much value on the other side of having like a high fidelity, low latency display that's close to your eyes. It's immersive that. People will just buy it for that just reason alone, I think, because mm-hmm. it's just going to be crazy. Right now, we're thinking, like, it's like, oh, it's like auto-generated, like, YouTube movies. It's like, sure, but actually, the worlds and stuff is going to be the real game changer. So, mm-hmm. and the fact that the sounds, the audio is really good, like, on the Apple Vision Pro. Like, I just think that that, sensorily, it's so, like, good that I think it's going to match really well with all this AI gen stuff coming. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to do this this shrinking Vision Pro one because I've been like it's been bouncing around in my uh, head and I don't want to delay it. This okay. is very important to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so here's my uh, food for thought discussion. Um, so often, and we've done it today, where we're talking about this thing, and it's like, oh when it gets this small or low in a few years when it's cheaper or when it shrinks down in size or whatever. I've noticed this pattern 
uh, in like talking about technology and, and these things. And then observing, you know, Apple for the past two decades or so, I've noticed kind of an interesting pattern that I feel like goes a little bit uncommented on where if you take just looking at, say, like the 21st century, these past 25 years or so, you could almost cut it in half. And there is a period of uh, great shrinkage <laughs> in terms of the size of devices. And then these this past decade or so has been kind of surprisingly stagnant. And I think our brains are trained on this idea of the first half where it's like, oh, yeah, technology in five years, this will be half the size or whatever. It's like, oh, things shrink in a crazy way. But if you look at more recent history, that's not true. So like for an example, look at the iPhone, like iPhone through iPhone six, smaller, smaller, thinner, 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 and then iPhone six. And then everyone after that has been. Apple saying, let's see what we can get away with making a little bit bigger, <laughs> making a little <laughs> bit thicker. Their most important product, the most important consumer device of our lifetimes has been getting bigger over time. The Apple Watch was never as small as it was in the very first one they released. It's been getting slightly bigger and slightly thicker for the last decade. And now look at the Ultra. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's huge. And so I think just in our brains from following this stuff for a long time, we're like, oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five years is going to be half the size. Or, oh, yeah, it's 600 grams now. But in two years, it's going to be 300 grams. I would push back against that. And there was like the app, I, the Apple guy that worked on the Vision Pro, and he made some comment that was like, we made this as light as possible. And it was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, of course he's going to say that. But I I mean, I, yeah, they, they, I'm sure they put great effort into making it as light as possible. And so are there things they can do to trim the fat? It's like, yeah, they can get rid of that like front screen thing. You know, yeah. they could make some things plastic you know, instead of glass or instead of aluminum or whatever. But apparently that that front part is plastic. I've I've seen people saying that they think it actually might be plastic. Yeah, well I've heard it's like glass with a plastic covering or something. For for I think it's like like a in a car, like a shatter resistant where it's just gonna right, right, shatter right, right, in right. place instead of like Okay, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. But so it, I think it's interesting to like let's say in a decade 10 years from now, presuming that uh, the Vision Pro like doesn't go the way of the HomePod and it's actually like effort is sunk into like iterating it and improving and stuff. It, right now it's uh, 600 to 650 grams, I think, depending on the headband. And then the battery is another 325. So in one decade, A, like, is the battery going to be integrated into the headset or is it still going to be external? And B, like, what should we set the over under at for, like, how heavy this thing is? In 10 years, I would put, so I'll go first. I would say in 10 years, the battery is still going to be external. And oh I would put the over under at, like, 400 grams. And I would say over. I don't think there'll be an external battery. I think you could be an optional external power source, but I don't think, I think that's their first move is getting rid of that. But people already say it's too heavy. So now you're at 900, almost a thousand grams on your head. If you took what exists <laughs> no, you now. See, I, yeah. what, but the, I, the, so I would say 
internal battery, but still over 400. So I think they would find a way to get... They keep the 600 target and just like... Yes. Yeah. And the way that I look at that is... I mean, obviously, the iPad never had an external battery, but mm-hmm. but like the, the iPad, they have changed over time. But like its typical size and weight yeah. has remained pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Same as like how the battery life target stayed the same, yeah. right? So that's it, right? They find a way to they make space in the case. They find efficiencies. Like maybe, honestly, like the thing just always has a three hour battery life. Like that's just what they go to. They just keep right. Well, well. So let me ask you this: yeah. As someone who's actually used the thing, would you rather have a six hundred and fifty gram headset with a built-in battery, or a three hundred gram headset with a three hundred gram external battery? I would take the second, lighter headset with an external battery. Right, but so. you were just arguing for them to integrate i'm just saying it. what i think they'll do yeah. Yeah. like I, I, yeah right more more than what i would necessarily want yeah and i think that they do want rid of it yeah they want to get rid of that cable i'm sure it hurts them greatly to have it i don't think they want that thing to be there they don't want it yeah. like they don't want that external battery they they made the right choice and i'm thankful that they made that choice but i think that they will they will try their best to get rid of that that external battery pack. but then dan i think in general i mean it's like an interesting point and because the battery's not in there now, uh, there's just not a lot of weight to probably. I mean, I don't know what the process, like the electronics, actually look like. I'm, I was guessing they're not very big, and so mm-hmm. you're not going to save a ton of weight. The other thing I would say in ten years, there's going to be some different battery technology. So that's that's what that's I'm thinking the thing. Too. Like there'll yeah, be laser battery get technology. The battery in there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is the thing. So like the reason taking you know taking the first looking back at the first half of the 21st century, like the iPod going from the iPod to the iPod nano, it was like hard drive to flash storage. It's like a change like that is what enabled that crazy, you know, miniaturization. And so, yeah, is, I have not been tracking like there's battery progress, but there's lots, there's a lot of effort because of, things like electric car right so there's yeah. Yeah. as well as smartphones now you've got the electric car problem and so yeah, like that's where the innovation is like solid state all kinds of stuff there continues to be a lot of work on batteries yeah. and i think that that is going to be the thing like i think that you know i i actually think you made a really good comparison there with hard drives to flash storage mm-hmm. i think we're going to see something like that in battery technology and as you just mentioned some solid state batteries is like the phrase which would be so funny if that was what did it because it was like it's solid yeah. state both yeah. times so yeah. yeah i think there's like to, lots i guess ssbs we'll call tons them tons and tons of yeah but i think mike your previous point is valid where it's like will they just say okay, we've set this 600 gram target and we're happy with that. And now we're just going to increase battery life instead of keeping battery life the same and shrinking the thing, you know? It's like, same with like the Apple Watch. Yeah, I bet you they don't make it lighter. My guess is that they, it's Apple, right? So almost certainly, I know for certain, basically, that they did a lot of user testing for weight and all this stuff to help them make these trade-offs. They didn't rush this thing. So I'm sure that that whatever weight that they've settled on is like pretty close within that range. They wouldn't have done it if they thought that was too heavy, probably. Like, I bet you that's just like what they've decided. Yes, but they also would prefer it to be lighter. Like, no question. Everybody (laughs) would prefer it to be lighter. I'm sure. I'm sure. But I agree with Mike that I think they think that that is a tolerable weight. 
And so they're willing to get rid of the external battery and put that weight back in the thing would be my guess mm. just to get rid of their cable. That's just, but how, that's so let's, let's take that as a given. How quickly will that actually happen? That means you're having to chop oh. 300. You have to get to have the weight of the I current know. headset. Well, no, but you're no, like, no, 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 because the battery technology will come on the other side of that. That's the thing that you're discounting. So I, I yeah. would, I would put it like four years though, or more. Before yeah, more. Get rid I of would it. say more. <laughs> yeah, it could be more. Could be yeah. more, but maybe not. I'd be surprised. Yeah, I just my overarching uh, point is, yeah, it seems like this stuff is like imminent, and it kind of is slower than we hope it to be. I guess. Like the Apple Watch is really interesting that it just ha- is a decade. We're a decade into the Apple Watch, and it's gotten thicker. Yeah, you kind of blew my mind yeah. <laughs> by thinking about that. Like yeah. that, that, it, it is technology that has been around for a decade, yeah. and it never got any smaller. Yeah. And it always felt like it would get. Yeah, but it's gotten probably a hundred times faster, two hundred, three hundred. Sure, times but it, that's why you still. I mean, still, I expected all these things to happen, right? That it would get better and smaller, but it didn't get smaller because that's what i that's what iphones did and that's what computers did and then we hit like a physics threshold of kind of like what we can do with current well let's be clear i mean the camera is driving the thickness of the iphones right i mean like that's the thing the camera's driving yeah but that's that's also an example of like bumping into physics again where it's like yeah yeah it's physics yeah yeah yeah. it's just totally physics although there's some stuff and it's funny that it went the other way where it's like can we make this a little bit taller (laughs) like they're just they're trying to see what they can get away with every year instead of us being wowed by like oh my gosh they made it it's so funny like if you took if you asked us all after the iphone 6 came out how thin are iPhones going to be in eight years and 10 years? It'd be like two credit cards. <laughs> you know, like yeah. three, it was on this slope and it just stopped and kind of reversed itself. Yeah. But like it was the idea that, oh, the screens will get bigger or they'll be this big forever, mm-hmm. but it will get thinner. Mm-hmm. And I think over time it's like, yeah, well, they'll just keep making the screen bigger, mm-hmm. but the phone will get thinner mm-hmm. is like how you would, oh, they'll find a way yeah. to do it. Yeah. But like I think I saw... There are so many rumors, but I saw that the phones are going to get bigger again. Yeah. They're going to actually make them all a little bit bigger again. Yeah. Like in kind of in every dimension. Yeah. Well, it's like people have bought into that size. Like just like the Apple Watch, it's like you just expect it to be that size. So if Apple's making this trade off between bumping up specs or making it smaller, they're going to choose specs because that's what sells. Whereas like, oh, it's a little bit thinner. I actually think one of the things that is is stopping the Apple Watch and I think everyone's just gonna have to get ready is the bands. Yeah. Like the the physical limitation they have set from themselves by keeping band compatibility. Like it's it's a big chunk yeah. out of the case. Yeah. Like I expect it will change within the next few years and then they will be able to change the design of the Apple Watch yeah, more significantly. I'm, I'm very curious to see that yeah, that's been rumored and yeah, pulling the bands yeah. out of the case would uh give them a lot of space back but i'm so fascinated to see what do they do with that budget then do they make the watch thinner or do they make the battery life longer because yeah. that's you know that's the choice they'll have to make when they have more i think they will probably do the battery yeah. because the, the battery life on the ultra is absolutely transforms your relationship with the apple mm-hmm. watch like for me my my general feeling about the apple watch since i bought the ultra is so much better 
because I don't have to think about the battery anymore. So for me, that's not the case at all. And I think it comes down to, do you sleep with your watch or not? Because, and you mentioned you do. Oh, I mean, for me, I, I couldn't go 12 hours on my on my Apple Watch Series 6. Yeah. So me, all I need, if I'm charging it every night, and so all it needs to do is last a day. So like a two-day battery life actually does nothing for me. For me personally, I would rather it be thinner than... Um, but they obviously know their audience and what they, you know, desire. And if they're pushing, if Apple continues to push like the sleep tracking stuff, then like battery is the better use of that budget than thinness. Yeah. Well, we solved it. I don't I think, think anyone we, had these hot, these hot of takes. Yeah. No, these takes are the hottest. It's like the hottest takes there are. <laughs> That's what people come in for. That's right. <laughs> Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 108.